and one, two, three, four, five. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on episode 87. And um, yeah, we were a bit confused as to what exactly we were going to be recording today. Which sisms for 87? Anything? Uh, no, it's kind of a boring uh, number. I think it's a prime number. Ooh. No. I think so. Well, what, what else can you divide it by? 87. Maybe. It's it might a be a prime number. I think it's a prime number, but I don't feel like sitting here going through the math in my head to figure it out. Um, <laughs> well, well, we've got things to talk about on the podcast. Oh, such things. Tell us, Kaiser, what things have we got to talk about today? Well, first of all, uh, mo- all pretty much all of my topics center around this. I had to take a business trip out to California uh, last week, and mm. um, which I-, I will say right off the bat, um, and it was it was a very quick like basically like a boomerang flight. I had to fly out there on Sunday and then I had to fly back Wednesday morning, so I was really only there for like two full days and some yeah. change because I got in quite late on Wednesday night. Um, but it was in San Diego, very nice area. Um, pretty much the only part of California that I think I would like. Um, maybe the northern part because the northern parts of California are very similar to the climate that I live in and now. the whole time you were there, I was getting messages from you saying how amazing the people are and how you love them all <laughs> so much. I, I was sending... This was after I had been flying all day and I was sitting at the, ho- at the restaurant in the hotel and I was... It just... It does always get me... Because I live in Massachusetts. Very sarcastic, very angry people live here. Um, it's not the case in this area, which might have something to do with... This area of California having about like 70 to 80 degree weather, almost no clouds, no rain, no snow for like the entire year. It, it, and there's no humidity too. So even though it's hot, it doesn't feel unpleasantly hot. So, but yeah, that's not really what I wanted to talk about though. I mean, it, it was, it was a fairly beautiful area where I was staying. Um, there was a nice boardwalk, a bunch of boats. Oh, one one honorable mention though there was a boat parked on the dock and it was entirely decked out to look like an american flag and you know what it was called the freedom the flagship the oh ah, that's <laughs> it was a pun it, it was it so it, it had oh the two flagship oh, okay flagship get it gotcha 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 um it also had the words patriot written on it in giant letters uh i'm not sure which one of those was the boat's name but I mm. found the flagship bit kind of like Only you basically you named your boat after a dad joke. Um, but yeah, the, the what I really wanted to talk about though is on the fl- well, actually, before I get to that, on the flight, it's such a night and day difference because the last time I flew was in December and I went to France, and it was so restrictive, like. You had to wear a mask everywhere. You had to sign about 18 different forms of paperwork saying that you're not a plague victim. And yep. then everywhere along the way, you had to you know keep that stuff with you and keep proving it. And I don't know if it's still true for international flight. I but kept probing you in and out of the airport. <laughs> but in in this flight, like it was it was almost back to, to normal. There were a few people that were still wearing like masks on planes. But you didn't need any sort of paperwork. You just had to sign a form saying, like, I'm not sick right now, basically. Um, and that was it. So that was a bit mm. of a night and day difference. 
Uh, yeah, pretty much in England, pretty much everyone stopped wearing masks at this point. Um, you yeah. still get the odd person, um, but no, it's it's it. People have kind of already moved on. I think they're already a bit sick of it. And uh, well, pun not intended. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's not such a thing anymore. Yeah, and I I was, it was very heartening to see that. Um, anyway, while I was on the flights. I, when I used to travel a lot more for work, that used to yeah. be my only time when I would see new movies because I don't I don't mm. really go to, I haven't gone to a theater since like 2016. Um, yeah. I, I might see some movies after they've been out for a couple of years if they have them on like Netflix or Amazon or something. And now, of course, when we're doing the movie nights, you know, we'll watch those. But before that, it was really only on planes. And so I saw two. Well, I saw a few movies, but I saw two that actually stuck with me that I want to talk about. Um, and okay. they. One's been out for a while, but one came out, I think, in 2021, so it's fairly recent. Um, I'm saving that one for segment three, because I really want to uh, talk a, a bit about that one. Okay. Uh, but the, the first one was the, the most recent Spider-Man movie, the Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, God, I hate Spider-Man. Go on. <laughs> I, I had a reason to like this one, because I'm not a massive fan of Spider-Man in general, but I did really, really like the first set of spider-man movies that came out back in like the early 2000s that had um what's his face i I can't remember the actor's name but he was the first guy to play peter parker and i I did enjoy that christopher walken it's not christopher walken (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) (laughs) oh my god What's with this guy calling himself the Green Gop? That's a horrible Stephen Walker. <laughs> I mean, mine was awful as well. There was actually, I was going past a tattoo parlor the other day, hmm. and um, it had a picture of Christopher Walken's face on the door with the words, Walken's welcome. <laughs> <laughs> There's a um, an old meme that I have somewhere. It's like a snow-covered like forest path, hmm. and you know, you've got white white snow clump coming down and then you've got Christopher Walken in a white suit in the foreground and it says walking in a winter wonderland <laughs> <laughs> the guy's got such an easy name to make a pun out of he does it's unfortunate for him <laughs> but one of the things I liked about this movie and I don't think it's a spoiler at this point but if you haven't seen this movie and really don't want it spoiled you know skip ahead to when we're in segment three and we're spoiling a different movie yeah um, but the movie actually makes the pre... Because there's been three different iterations of Spider-Man that's been put out. There was the original one I'm talking about. There was one in between okay. that was called, like, The Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. And then there's the most current iteration, which is part of the whole wider Marvel universe that they have. Right. The one with Iron Man being his mentor and shit. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Spoilers. X-Mentor. Yeah. That was, uh, honestly... I'm glad that they chose to end it with, like, Iron Man, Tony Stark being the ultimate hero. Because, like, I don't know, I just, that's the whole reason I I watched any of those movies was Iron Man, really. Right. Um, The other ones, if I I ended up watching their movies separately, it's because they kind of grew on me. Um, Anyway, what they do is they actually make those previous iterations of Spider-Man canon because it focuses on... Um, this Spider-Man, he goes to Doctor Strange, the wizard dude, to, like, try and get something fixed because his identity gets basically publicized to everyone and it's causing trouble for him and right. his friends. Yeah. 
and they so of course try- you go to a space time wizard go on yeah there's actually they actually make a joke about that in the beginning of the movie because the thing that finally makes him decide to go there is him and his friends all have a dream to go to MIT for college, right? Right. And they all get rejected because of all the controversy around all of this and the fact that they think it's bad for the school's reputation to have Spider-Man and his two associates coming to the school. Um, something happened in the movie previous to this one, which I didn't see, and apparently he's accused of killing someone. Okay. Um, They've got so, too many villains already there that they can't have a hero coming in. Yeah. Mm. The, the, the villain's name was something. I don't... I, I keep wanting to say it's Mephisto, but he's he's a character from <laughs> Hots, isn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah. from uh, World of Warcraft? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. They, I guess they're all from Blizzard well, maybe games. Have, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he goes to him to cast to get a spell cast to like make people forget you know that he's spider-man and to re-hide his identity essentially but he wants yeah. to make exceptions for people and he keeps interrupting the guys he's casting the spells and it causes something to go haywire so you end up with both the villains and the other spider-man from those other three um di- the other two series so the original one from the early 2000s the updated one that they released in like the mid 2010s and then they start bleeding over into this this world. And the, the highlight of it, for me, honestly, is bringing back William Defoe as the Green Goblin. Cause, and you could tell that he's like just having a blast in the movie, playing the role again. Yeah. Um, they brought back like Dr. Octopus from like the second original trilogy. Um, this sounds like that second Scooby-Doo movie. I never saw it. I don't know why, it's reminding me of it. And that's but not yeah. a good thing. <laughs> so they basically made those those first two trilogies or the first two sets of movies. Yeah. They made them canon by bringing the alternate. And so the original two actors that played those versions of Spider-Man, they're in the movie. The original actors that played the villains, they're in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um and they they do like a really good job with it because the first guy, he's obviously a lot older now. But they have him kind of he's the the most the most like world weary and like I guess seasoned of all of them. Is Uncle Ben dead in all three timelines? Uncle Ben doesn't even exist in the current timeline. Damn. So, um but yeah, he's dead in the other two timelines. Okay. Um and this is a huge spoiler. They actually kill off Aunt May, who is the the person who you know, is his his guardian in the current universe, right? Um, and so that he has. Mom. I've got Iron Man. Oh wait, he's dead. He's dead too. Yeah, <laughs> all his mentors are dead, and so he's having like this. This basically the the whole world comes crashing down on him, and these other two versions of himself from other universes come in, and you know, the, I think the one from the middle trilogy, like his girlfriend's dead, the one from the initial one his best friend and his um, uncle's dead. Hang on, so what was, what was Space Time Wizard meant to actually do to make everyone forget Spider-Man? Wibbly-wobbly magic. Yeah, but what was he actually going to do? He cast a spell. Yep. Well, it just makes everyone forget? Or yeah. was he just going to bring him into a different timeline? Or? No, no, no. It wasn't, he, he was just casting a spell that would essentially enchant the world to forget the, the association between Peter Parker and Spider-Man. 
Can we just talk about how dumb that is? It is, but it, again, it's a superhero movie. They don't, they don't that, really have deep... That's like if fucking Captain America accidentally uploaded nudes to the cloud and needed to get them back. He would go to Doctor Strange and be like, I need everyone to forget this horrible thing that I've posted online. Yeah, it's it's a plot device. And you know what? I kind of just, I was willing to accept it because anytime you're bringing magic in, it's not like... It's so just... you got Doctor Who. Yeah. Like, he's, he's the one that I'm comparing it to because, for a start, they've basically done this episode in Doctor Who where they had uh, Matt Smith, David Tennant, and Capaldi all in mm-hmm. one episode. Yeah, I remember that. I liked that episode. But it was a good episode. But... This just sounds retarded. I'm sorry, there's yeah. not a good enough reason to be fucking with the whole planet because one person wasn't yeah. a school to forget him. Just assassinate the No, no, not, not the school, like the entire... Teacher. Yeah, like basically the entire world. Um, yeah. I, again, it's just, it's just a plot device. <laughs> I agree that it's stupid, but honestly, it just it comes up and it's almost forgotten again. It basically is a mechanic so the rest of the plot can happen. Yeah. Um, it's just and, stupid. But, I mean, I think the, the real purpose of this movie, and one of the reasons I enjoyed it, it's, it's they're going for the nostalgia. They, they want you to go like, ooh, I remember that Spider-Man, or ooh, I remember that villain, and then yeah. clap like circus seals. But I did, a- I did that. I actually did really enjoy it. I've always... Been an advocate, typically of okay. They needed something to happen for the rest of the plot to happen. Okay, I'll let them get away with it. But Marvel have done it so many fucking times now. I feel mm. like none of their stories since the very early years have been any good at all. I have not enjoyed, to my memory, mm. any of the ones where they're all together. Yeah, because. Uh, they're just so they're trying to fit in every single character at once and it doesn't work and then they've got yeah. shit characters that no one wants to see anyway like Hawkeye <laughs> which is nothing against the actor it's against the character being boring as fuck and written that way yeah um, and now they're just it's just it's 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 printing off skins in CSGO that just look exactly the same as all the others but a tiny bit different so people will still buy them and make money for the company. I hate it. Right so, <laughs> one thing that I... I think that the appeal in this movie, at least for me, besides the nostalgia factor, you're right about the, the overarching plot. Now that you're pointing this stuff out to me, it does... There's a lot of contrivance in it. But, some of the best parts for me were the, like... They have some fairly intense character moments. Like, um... When essentially the the current guy that's playing Spider Man is just broken, and these other versions of himself are showing like that they've got also serious emotional scars, it kind of reminded me how dark like the first trilogy was. That like a lot of bad shit happens. Um, is it like the boys dark? No, God, no, not nearly that bad. Mm. Um, but in the first movie, uh, like his uncle gets shot he goes on a revenge uh chase after the guy who he thinks shot him that guy ends up he doesn't kill him but he like charges him and the guy trips and falls out like a six-story window oh okay he 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 
incapacitates him Batman style where he leaves the guy tied up on a train that's going to no. explode. Okay, no. got you. The guy, the guy dies and he dies right in front of him but he dies because he trips over something and falls out a window, not because Spider-Man directly like threw him out the window or something. Yeah, because I mean, um, Spider-Man can't stop a person from falling out of a window, can he? I, yeah, it's not like I he's think, not saying that could grab things and stop like, them falling. I think that's part of it, though, is that he didn't even try to stop him. Okay. He just let him, because he wanted him to die. Okay. Um, but, and then at the end of the movie, the main villain, Green Goblin, like, he, he murders, like, a bunch of people at his own company. Um, he, he goes and he tries to kill off Spider-Man, and the way, but he ends up stabbing himself through the chest with, like, these, this giant glider with daggers sticking out of the front of it. So the, the first movie, it was a lot less, it was a lot more violent than a lot of the current Marvel movies are. Where mm. I feel like even though they're live action, they're a bit more cartoony. I got to make a prediction now, mm. and I apologize if you're offended by this, but I reckon the next big villain is going to be a Russian villain. <laughs> they did because that with Black I Widow. think they get well, yeah, but that was before this whole situation kicked off. Um, they're gonna absolutely play on that shit, and there's gonna be some. Incredibly, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's been plenty of Russian villains in the past, mm. but they're really gonna hammer it up. I feel like uh, you. Yeah. You're reminding me of a line from the movie. Um, have you heard of the movie Thank You for Smoking? No. It's about a tobacco lobbyist in like the early 2000s and stuff like that, and he's trying to get cigarettes back in the hands of you know people on screen on TV to you know, help promote them again. Um, is this and, the advertising company guy? No. Uh, I try to think of what that's called. Very famous. Mad Men? Mad Men. That, that's a TV show. No, this is a movie. Okay. Um, but there's a line in it when they're talking to like this big Hollywood executive. Mm. And um, he's, you know, he's talking to his assistant. And he's like, oh, yeah, this, this guy here is looking to see if we can get uh, cigarettes into the hands of someone other than our usual Ravs. And the guy's like, a Rav? And he's like, Russians, Arabs, and villains. Mm. I have heard that before. I can't remember why. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting off topic. But I, just to, to kind of summarize all this, um, the the inner character like conversations and those like um, character moments, the conversations they have, the connections they have, the kind of... Are there really awkward romance scenes with no. Mary, whatever her name is, Jane? They're they're still together. I mean, obviously, and they they do have a couple like cute moments. But that that I saw her in the the first movie, the first Spider Man movie I saw. She was like really. I don't know if it was the script or the actress, but she she wasn't. It, I just didn't like her at all in that first one. But in this one, she actually gives a really good performance. Like, mm. I actually found her really endearing and charming in this movie. Much more so than in the first one. I don't know how she was in the second one. I, uh, d was there anything else Spider-Man really? I just remembered a topic which is going to drive him insane. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we can, we can move on. I just, but, fun little watch. Better than most of the crap that Marvel's been shoveling out lately. Um, and especially if you have nostalgia for the early Spider-Man movies, because they do do a service to those. But come on. Cowboy Bebop. 
Yep. We are on the... We are literally have one episode left to go of the whole series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really do not like the way it's gone for the past ten episodes or so. It hits a lull in the second half of the series. It... Yeah, it really does. I felt like it was honestly harder to watch parts of that second half than it was to watch the live action. Now, it's a hot take. Don't get me wrong. I know you're fucking choking right now. But honestly, going straight to the live action without the preconceptions of other things, Mm. I think it's a lot easier to watch. But I do agree that the story is completely different as well. Yeah. From the characters, the plot, just anything that happens, it's 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 like it, it's it's like having chess pieces, but you're not playing chess, you're playing Monopoly with them. Um and yeah. go on. I, I was just thinking that's the so I've I've I'm I get that that line of thinking. I've heard people say the same thing about the solo movie, the Star Wars one. Where they, they did like the origin story of Han Solo. Um, whereas like if you weren't a fan of You okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah go on. <laughs> if you weren't like a fan of Star Wars and didn't have a lot of like, you know, didn't know the characters, didn't know the plot, and just went in there watching it as like a basically like a space western, mm. um, that that movie was actually pretty good. But it's the fact that they it that it was Star Wars, it was being judged against what came before and it was also being like their portrayal of the main character was being judged against who he was in the other movies and stuff and so I'm it might be similar with this where like if you go in and watch the Cowboy Bebop live action show maybe it's just it's a pretty good show but knowing what it originally came from to me it, it seems like a bastardization yeah but okay let's t- let's talk about the uh, the teddy bear bomber I love that episode. <laughs> that was such a crap episode. I love that episode. Because it, the, uh, it, go on. It doesn't tie into the rest of the plot. It's just a fun... It's a filler, yeah. Yeah, it's a filler episode, but it, it's it's just a fun little goofy episode to kind of... Because if I remember right, around... There, there are some fairly heavy episodes, but every now and again, I like the fact that they can have an episode like that where it's just a bit more, like, goofy and lighthearted. Hmm. Um. But, but, so why why did you hate it so much? Because I I, did, I didn't hate the the bomber guy himself. It was just the fact that it was like okay, we get it. There's like a, a an anti hero. Well, not even anti hero, just another version of Spike. Because it's ba- he's basically just Spike on a horse, and he's a bit more stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then they played that joke like four times in a row, just over and over and over and over again. And I'm like, okay, we get it. Can we progress now, please? Um, and then they're in a lift with fucking bulletproof glass, and and they I, both rewired the time. That's not how. If you rewire, that's not how things work. You you see, it's you're, so dumb. It's so dumb. Really, it's just whether or not because they do. You're right. They do tell the same joke like four times. The difference here is I actually found that joke quite funny, and so I was I just I. Found, I just found the escalation of the joke in the episode funnier and funnier as it as it happened. 
Whereas in the live action, they had... I can't believe I'm defending the live action in this argument, <laughs> by the way. In the live action, it was, like, really quite sinister. And when you finally meet the guy, it's like, they see him and you're like, oh shit, this is kind of fucked up. Uh, yeah. And there's, like, the, 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 the whole thing with Vicious is basically... After, like, the first two or three episodes of the live action, every episode then has a bit about the Syndicate. Uh, yeah. Honestly, from what you described of the live action show, the Syndicate, to me, seems like it would be the worst part of it. Like, the worst bastardization that they have. The worst bastardization of the Syndicate is Vicious. He is a completely different person. Completely. Yeah. You, you see what I was talking when you were telling me about the show and you were describing Vicious. You see, as a fucking idiot, yeah, <laughs> in live action. And in the um, anime, he's a fucking like menacing edge lord. He's he is Kaiba in the uh, anime, um, and yet we just got the part where he's wiped out all the elders in the anime. Hmm. Um, they don't properly explain why the bird is filled with machine guns and rockets and stuff like that. But you know I what? I'm okay with it. It was just a cool scene. Um, he was him being strapped to the rock. Um, yeah, it just—I don't know. Yeah, there wasn't enough of it in the anime. I'm I'm going to be very curious what you think of the ending. The ending, ending, yeah. Yeah, the ending, I'm ending. Halfway of the through ending. the ending. <laughs> yeah, when you like, is the final episode. I've, I'll keep my thoughts to myself, but I've, I've, I've gone back and forth to what, I, as to what I think about the ending. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll be curious to get your thoughts on that. But yeah, that's, that's a good point, actually. I was, um, oh God, there was something about that. Sorry, you, you looked like you were about to say something. No, 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 you go. Okay. I, I just, I was watching something the other day and they were talking about, um, it was it was a analysis on YouTube, and they were talking about like what makes a well written villain, yeah, or a well written antagonist, they and have to be they British. <laughs> they were they were just uh, juxtaposing um, Arcane <clears throat> with uh, the live action Cowboy Bebop, and they're saying how Vicious in that series is an example of probably a, a very poorly written villain, whereas in Arcane, I wait, mean, which got, Vicious? The one from the live action. Okay. Um, which was one of the first times I actually saw him because they used clips from the TV show and I was looking at it and I was like, ooh, that's a interesting face. Because they showed it, like, he's in, he's like got blood on his face and he's got this stupid-ass Joker smile, like... It he, just... he really is, honestly. If I reckon hmm. if they got Vicious right in the anime, not in the anime, in the live-action... I think people would have really liked the live action. Yeah. The thing is, like, a lot of... The, even the casting choices, like, um... The guy... Again, just going on pure aesthetic value. Um... The guy that got to play Spike in... The guys that got to play Spike and Jet seemed like they were they were fairly good. They, Jet was fucking perfect. Yeah. I mean... Um, Spike was alright. He was, he was pretty good. He was pretty fucking good. Hmm. Uh, the I, person I, who played, sorry. No, no, the person that played Faye. I think you were. 
I was just going to finish the last no I'm also going to address Edward but Faye um yeah they got kind of the right actress I think but again they kind of switched her from being a uh, like slightly selfish uh uses yeah. her body to get what she wants character to a bit of a child really bit of a what a child yeah well and edward we're not even going to talk about <laughs> i i do th- i think the best way to describe Faye in the anime is she i mean she's the classic like femme fatale right i was gonna say that but i wasn't sure if it was the right word or not it is yeah and um yeah from everything i've seen in the um even even like the the complete change in her like appearance i can kind of get behind they're like oh you know the the other outfit would have been like impractical for shooting like action scenes and stuff like that i'm like okay fine whatever i can't remember what she wears in the live action now uh she it's like a brown overcoat and like a it's still like a yellow shirt i don't remember if she still has the suspenders or not um, I, I vaguely think she reminded me of like a, a, a someone from like a character from lazy town <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I know that I know the show you're talking about, but yeah, okay, yeah, yep. That's that's who the closest thing is in my mind to the live action Faye. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> yeah. God. Uh, but no, I'm super psyched. Watch last episode. Yeah, there were a lot of filler episodes near the end. The one with the um, yeah. the guy that was uh, lost in a black hole and everyone thought he was dead and they had to use a fucking Ouija board the wrong way by the oh, way that's not how you fucking use yeah, no, they're using feng shui feng shui yeah it's a feng shui I episode. know so much shit about feng shui at the moment given what is happening and the fuck, mm. that's bollocks speaking of feng shui you know that's actually the reason that a lot of buildings oh. in China have like skyscrapers where they'll have holes in the middle of them like a you'll have like a building like an yeah. apartment complex, and they'll have a square hole that's just in the middle of the building. They're ah. called dragon's gates, and they're meant to, you know, feng shui. They, they have something to do with feng shui. I, I don't know enough about it to say, but yeah. if you ever see a you know, building in China, that's why they have the holes. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah, any any uh, any other further final thoughts? Oh, yeah, you were talking about the, yeah, the black hole one. There's, what did you think of the clown episode? That that one always kind of disturbs me. So the clown one, uh, that was more disturbing as the live action one because it was live, I think. Um, but aside from that, it it was actually quite similar. Hmm. I th- I think um, it ends differently in the live action because of. The whole series is is leading up to the whole um, syndicate thing. Yeah. But the actual fight in the carnival is pretty fucking similar. Uh, it's not the most memorable episode for me. Um, yeah, it's it's not. I don't. I just remember because I watching it in the anime. It was always an episode that just kind of like creeped me out. The mm. whole aesthetic of it. Um. But yeah. All right. 
Do we have any other topics? We're at 31 minutes. We I could do. move on to segment three. Okay, could he has something else. Topic. Let's okay, do a quick so topic. I've started watching another anime on Netflix at the moment. Okay. Uh, well, so we, we talked about the Zeus one the other day. Yep. We'd, yeah, you'd watched, uh, like, I think the first Blood episode or two at that point. Yeah. Yeah, we watched a few of them now, uh, and it's still getting good. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. So I'm watching another one called, uh, and it's going to sound generic and just very, just bear with me. Uh, I think it's called Garden of Vampires or something. Hmm. And it's a... I always said Tokyo Ghoul, that's not what I meant. It's an Attack on Titan-esque, is how I would describe it. Um, but instead of hideous monsters outside the walls, it's uh, very polite upper-class vampires uh, that still turn into vampire yeah. bats and rip people apart. But, like, um, <clears throat> in the centre of the last bastion of humanity, there's a massive fucking tower with spotlights on it because vampires burn up in these special UV sunlight mm. bulbs. Um... And it follows a human girl who gets picked up by a, like, the vampire queen. And the vampire queen's like, oh, you like music? I can play music. You humans don't like music, but you do, so let's be friends. Uh, and it's, the, 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 the era of technology is kind of, uh, kind of slightly steampunky, like, people using the weapons they use. Um... Primarily AK-47s. <laughs> it's the most reliable weapon even into anime. Well, uh, the, the weapon, so the AK-47, uh, like a, a kind of a sawn-off single-barrel pump-action shotgun. And That's a very uh, strange combination. Yeah, it is, but... Whatever. Actually, I, that, you can kind of describe my shotgun like that. Uh, um, it's not sawn off because those are illegal. And like, uh, it looked like a Dragonov sniper. One of them had. Okay. Um, but yeah, so they're in like um, they're they're in a uh, an expeditionary force of humans is in a mansion wiping out like traces of vampires. Right. Hmm. They like open fire on a vampire. Uh, in in the vampire's bat form, so it's like a, a basically a human bat, the size mm. of a human, uh, Man with bat. AKs, and the AK just does fucking nothing. Now, we both know the AKs have got some pretty fucking good penetration, right? Yeah, seven six two ammunition. Exactly, big fucking bullet, and a lot of kick behind it. Um, AKs practically useless. One of the vampires takes this, like, um, injectable into their neck, which basically makes the vampire be incredibly strong for a bit, but then they die. Okay. So they inject this into their neck, they go full beast mode, the raptor, like, rips the main character's neck out, and then one guy comes over with the sawn-off single-barrel shotgun, one through the chest, and it's completely dead. The massive one. And I was like... What? <laughs> Maybe they were just missing with the AK. <laughs> no, you could see the fucking bullets bouncing off their fucking skin. It was like, yeah. what? Um, this is, yeah, it's a... Well, and it, it happens so many times. No, if you're in this universe, don't pick up the fucking AK-47. Just go for the sword off. The vampires 
don't even use ranged weaponry for whatever reason, even though they're way more, like, advanced. They choose to still move in and rip people's necks out. I knew I was right in all those video games where I only fight with shotguns. Well, that relies on the fact that everyone else on the internet, Kaiser, doesn't know how guns work. <laughs> it is actually... that. I mean, that, that's one of those things... Occasionally, there's a... Um, this, this idea that, like... Uh, I can't remember what the actual name of it is, right? But when you watch something and you're, like, knowledgeable in that subject matter and you see it on screen, it can kind of take you out of the illusion if the person writing it, like didn't know about it either yeah um there's actually like advice that uh, i've i've heard given to people who um you know want to do writing it's like don't don't write in detail about something that you don't really understand because once somebody else is going to like read it it could very easily just completely pull them out of it um the, there's there's two the two other weapons right okay so the yeah. dragon up right someone lands a square shot on the queen vampire mm-hmm. In the chest with a dragon or sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. So this is like on an entire level above the AK. And she just fucking shrugs it off. <laughs> just what a sniper that? rifle round to the chest. Yeah, what is that thing? Is it? So the thing is, like, not even just the caliber of a bullet, but like, so if you've ever seen different different bullets, like a pistol bullet will be much smaller, even if the bullet Typically, itself yeah. is the same size. Yeah. So, like, for instance, a, a 22 caliber round from a pistol is going to have a lot less stopping power than a 22 caliber round from a rifle, because the rifle round has a much bigger powder charge behind it. It has a lot more gunpowder, and it's going to launch that bullet. Even though the bullet is the same size, the same caliber, it's going to have a lot more stopping power. So, right. yeah, it just... <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Sorry. And then later on, this is just a funny bit. The uh, the vampire queen was playing the piano for the main human girl, and the mm. human girl was like standing behind her, singing along to the song, getting very emotional. Mm. And Alicia turned to me and was like, "Those two girls are gonna bang, aren't they?" Yeah. <laughs> was she right? The second later, a fucking arrow comes through the window, through the vampire lady's neck, <laughs> and Alicia turns back to me and is like. Probably not going to bang now. Never mind. <laughs> um, and lo and behold, she was fine. Just fucking snap the arrow off. Why bother using arrows? And if then when they you get bang. one through their neck, they still don't die. Now, the, but the question is, <sighs> did they end up banging in the end? No, not yet. They've ran off into the wilderness together, away from the vampires and the humans, so probably will, but... Heading off to the bang cabin. Honestly, I feel like it'd be kind of weird, because the human girl looks a lot younger than the vampire lady, and we all know that vampires well, typically mean, live a lot longer anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, like, typically, when you're talking about vampires, they're like supposed to be like hundreds or thousands of years old. But all the vampires seem to have... You ever watched Dead Man Wonderland, haven't you? I don't, uh, yeah. I've read the manga, at least. I've read the manga, yeah. You know the, the white-haired girl with the white eyes? Yep. Yeah, they're exactly the same as that, so... That's all I could think about. The girl with the mittens. God. Anyway, yeah, sorry, I dragged that out a bit longer, but... Oh, that's fine. I'll give you more updates when I have watched more of it, I guess. 
Sounds good. Netflix's animation um, stuff has actually been surprisingly good from the sound of it, which I, I'm wondering what's going to happen with uh, Netflix moving forward because their stock has been going through the shitter. Like, they are in... Is that all- Elon Musk? We, uh, we need to make a purchase. <laughs> Maybe he'll buy Netflix. Uh, I mean, there's only one thing that I'm really concerned about regarding that because I could, you know, take or leave Netflix but I do really want to see another season of Arcane because that that was mm. probably one of the best series I'd seen in recent memory. It was phenomenal. Yeah. And you know they fucking will because I bet that made them so much bank. Oh, yeah. Cause, and it's just... I think it was... I don't know if it was like one of the best series I've ever seen or if I just have gotten so used to shit writing lately mm. that it seemed a lot better. Anyway, that's all we'll say for that. I'm going to be talking about a movie in the next segment. The movie is called Best Sellers, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll get into it once we, once we get to the segment. But um, yeah, this is going to be the end of segment one of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you'll hear us again momentarily for segment three. Welcome back to the TMCJ Podcast. We are on segment three, our wild card segment. And this week, it's not that wild. Just kind of continuing on with a lot of what we were talking about in the first bit. Because um, there was one... What a great way to start. Welcome to the wild section. Today, we're going to be distinctly boring. <laughs> hey, I didn't say boring. I just said not wild. <laughs> um, but no, like, uh, so Speak one of the... Speak yourself. One of the, I, well, the other movie I, I kind of teased talking about earlier on that I saw when I was flying... Um, hmm. I enjoyed it enough that I just wanted to kind of devote a whole segment to chatting about it. And if it doesn't fill up the whole thing, okay. we can move on to other topics. Prepare for me to shit talk the hell out of it. I will see. So the movie's called Best Sellers. Uh, apparently, it came out in twenty twenty one. I saw because uh, I did okay. look it up. I, I knew it was fairly recent. Um, it so it's starring. Uh, do you know who Aubrey Plaza is? No. Okay. Uh, she's an actress that I, I like. I haven't really seen her in too many movies, um, but she was a fairly major character in the TV show Parks and Recreation, which I quite liked. Um, she also was in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World uh, as a fairly like minor supporting role. I think he played. she played his sister or something like that. Um I can't remember his sister, to be honest. Yeah, she, again, very, very minor character in that, um, which I only knew who she was later when I went back and watched the movie after I had seen the um, the TV show. Anyway, so she's yeah. she's the co-star in this, or one of the, I think there's, there are two, two main, main characters. Her and Michael Caine. And, like, I, I first of all, I, I like both. She's an actress that I, I always enjoy seeing. She's got a very, like, dry, sarcastic wit. Um, but she's another person who really only plays, like, one kind of character. Um, and Michael Caine in this was also quite good. The, the, the premise to the story is uh, Aubrey Plaza, she has inherited a, a literary publishing house from her father, who apparently was some, you know, famous, famous publisher, and, you know, he... He passed the business on to her, but they're like they had gone into trying to do like young adult novels, and they all suck. 
and so they're they're in finance. Define young adult novels, or like Twilight. I yeah, I guess um, Twilight would be one. I, I can't think of like other things that fall into the category. Um, okay. I could probably if I. But they're, they're 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 books that are like targeted towards people who are between the ages of like you know fifteen to early twenties, right? Right. Okay. And they were they're they're failing. Their latest book is a huge flop. They've barely sold like a thousand copies of it or something like that. They're getting roasted on YouTube. There's a big they use social media like roasted on YouTube. Yeah. They they actually well I mean they they make. Um, Social media is a big part of this this movie, because like they're showing that like even even like the the proper critics think their book sucks, but right and then then but even beyond the proper critics they've they've got these like YouTube book reviewers that are also saying the book sucks. It's it's just again it's to show that everyone is kind of lambasting them. Like okay we need to we need to get another book out there. It needs to be good. You know, it has to be something on par with what we used to publish, and. Um, so her and her assistant are, you know, going through all the records, going through the contracts, trying to find out what they can do. And they find out that um, Michael Caine, uh, his character, it, like he's some famous author. He'd only really published like one major book. Um, and but it was a huge success. And it was through their publishing house. And they, they saw in his contract that he actually owed them another book. They He'd already been paid like a $25,000 advance back in the 70s. And there were some stipulations. Right. Like, um, they they weren't allowed to make any edits to the book unless, um, but in exchange, he had to, he was obligated to go on a tour promoting the book. Right. And now earlier in the movie, they had cut to him, like he's in this small house in the middle of nowhere, and he's just like all disheveled. He's in a bathrobe, and he's he's typing up, you know, a manuscript. Um, you know, he's drinking whiskey out of a flask, and uh, he's he's yeah. got a cat around. The place is a bit of a mess, and the phone is constantly ringing uh, next to him. And I think at one point he he like throws the phone out through the window because he gets so sick of like he picks it up and tells <laughs> him to fuck off or something like that. Yeah. Um. But then, yeah, and that's when it cuts back to them, and they're they're trying to figure this out. And it, it cuts to them, and then you see that that scene at the beginning was actually them calling him, trying to get in touch with them. So, uh, main character, she's like stubbornly like, "No, we're gonna go there. We're gonna get this this book. Um, we're gonna talk to him about it." And the whole way up, her assistant is like nervous about this. Like, he, they say he killed his last publicist, or he shot him, or something like that. And right. it's like apparently like he told the police, oh, I thought he was a bear or something. And um, yeah, but they end up going there. They knock on the door, won't get in. There's just a like a, a sign taped up to the front window and it just says piss off. Um, <laughs> I can see why you like this film. <laughs> there's I, I, that we haven't actually got to the reason I really liked it. I mean, I was I was drawn in by the fact that these two actors that I wouldn't really ever see being in the same movie together were co-stars in this movie together um mm. and i was like okay I'm, I'm willing to give this a chance and there were multiple times in the first half of the movie where i almost just it was like okay i'll, I'll watch something else um but I, I kept going with it and i'm glad that i did because it has quite a 
heartwarming ending, I'd say. Right. Um, Uplifting. Yeah. But in a way, bittersweet, more like. Okay. But, so they, they break into his house, and he's, of course, like, in his chair there, kind of, like, slouched over, and he's got a shotgun pointed at them. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Not an AK, because we know that they don't work. Yeah, you need to use the shotgun. Yeah. Anyways, they, they have the the conversation, uh, a conversation with him, and they... What, what state is it set huh? in? What state is it set in? I believe it's set in New York State. Right. So he would have been in upstate New York, and they they were based out of the city. Um, yeah. And she, throughout this whole time, she's getting, like, text from some guy who, like, apparently is offering to buy the publishing house, and either he's in a rival business or something. There's some history there, but they don't get into that right away. Um, and after some talks with him, he eventually just tells him to fuck off. She gives him, like, the the kind of... What's, I don't know what the, the right word is. The like the canned speech of just like, oh, we want to get your words out to the people and help you do this. Right. Spiel. Yeah. And he's having none of it. And he just tells her to fuck off. And then as they're driving away, um, they're both clear. Like her assistant is clearly shaken at having a shotgun pointed in her face. And she is just still thinking about, fuck, we need to get that book. Yeah. Um, cuts back to him in his house again drinking late into the night and he's got the manuscript that he just finished in the first scene in the movie and um he's flipping open and closed the lighter like he's gonna burn it right and um eventually he he picks up another piece of paper which is an a foreclosure notice on his house um so he's clearly got some financial troubles He, he burns that and throws it in the trash can instead um so I think it's like she's getting ready to sell the place like a day or two later and her assistant hears a bunch of commotion outside and you see Michael Caine has driven his car like up onto the sidewalk and has just gotten out in the middle of the street and is walking and people are honking at him and he's just telling him to piss off and as he as he goes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so long long story short, he does agree to let them publish the book, but he has conditions. Basically, they can't make any edits. They just publish it. And he'll do the tour, but they got to get him cigars and whiskey. Okay. And um, he, like, doesn't want to get up before noon or something like that. Just a bunch of, like, random conditions. Um, And so this is where the movie started to pick up for me. Because for the rest of the movie, uh, he's going, like, she's essentially chauffeuring him around herself. You know, even though she's okay, because she actually had to take a loan out to allow them to publish the book, and so it needs to sell. Right. So she's chauffeuring him around everywhere, but he's just being pretty uncooperative. I think one of the, a book critic says is like bad mouthing the book, like as they're at this like fancy party where it was supposed to be again to promote the book. And yeah. as the critic is insulting the book, Michael Caine like picks up his cane and just pushes the end of it into the guy's throat and nearly knocks him off a balcony. And Jeez. he's just like, "Oh, do you have something to say about my fucking book now?" Or I don't remember the exact line, but it was just, just what was the book actually about? Uh, so the book, they do actually go into detail about this a few times. The book is about like kind of the last remaining people on Earth. Like I think there's. 
there's only like a man and a woman left at the end of the world and then they they think that you think that it's going to be like an Adam and Eve thing where they repopulate the world but it turns out the woman's infertile and they both die and that's the end of the book <laughs> so they don't go into a whole lot of detail but through hints throughout the movie they kind of that they talk about it um yeah now it's through these repeated sessions where they're going to places to promote the book and they 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 because of what he did to that one critic he gets canceled at a lot of the more professional tour promoting right, locations yeah. and uh, so they end up doing it at like small like bars and restaurants and he ends up going viral on the internet because he is he's got the book in front of him he's he was going to read a passage from it and he ends up just going bullshit 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 and just over and over again and it becomes like this big thing people are like graffitiing that you know bullshit on random things um and it ends up no one's actually buying the book and but there he's becoming extremely popular online yeah and so it and it's becoming increasingly frustrating for like you know the main the publisher yeah yeah because she like this is everything um to her, and he keeps calling her like you know a silver spoon you know trust fund baby and everything yeah. like that um and that all kind of culminates in this scene where he's laying drunk on their like on his motel bed like with a half empty bottle of scotch and um she decides because i think over the course of this movie that his character drinks like probably about two dozen bottles of johnny walker black right um just through the course of the tour like there's a scene where she's complaining to her assistant as she's walking up to the the motel door and she's got like a bundle of three of them in her hands yeah um anyway she gave um after having a few drinks herself ends up going on like this if she finally snaps and goes on this angry rant so he's there kind of like half awake laying drunkenly on the bed and she charges into his motel room tearing up the book and screaming about how she's you know um you know she has no social life she has no nothing she spends all her time working and and doing all this stuff and um she ends up ripping up the book in front of him yeah and um that's the moment where there's a bit of a a change in the in the movie because he starts to actually empathize with her a little bit more and open up and they they end up developing this this dynamic where she, mm. it, it's clear that he's just not some old disheveled drunk. There's very good reasons for like for the way he's acting, um, right. or at least not very good reasons. But there's understandable reasons why he's kind of gone into this self-destructive loop. Um, yeah, and she has is just a little bit. She's not being very kind of honest with herself. She's she's got this like manager, business, corporate kind of mindset just because she thinks that's the way that she's going to, you know, save the the publishing house and everything. Yeah. Um and the the like the reason for him is that like his it all kind of come it, it comes to another big point where um 
as they're coming near the end of the tour, she gets like an emergency phone call and has to go to a retirement home. Um, and it turns out that her father is in there and he's had some yep. kind of an episode where he like, he just won't, he won't talk or acknowledge like anyone until he saw this guy online, at which point he started like, he got angry and started like carving words into the wall and stuff like that. And so this is the first Price. thing he'd done since then. And mm. as they're leaving the place, um, you know, he, Mike, uh, Michael Caine's character go, gets angry and starts shouting at her that her father's like, you know, a liar and a cheat or something like that, or a thief or something. Um, and they, they kind of split off at that point. Um, and she's kind of like given up on, on the book, but before that point, they had started to actually make progress. The book was selling, like Michael Caine was actually starting to read things from it and to talk to people about it. They came up with a way to use the social media angle to do a, like a viral campaign where they would ask random people to read passages from the book and then send it to them and they'd post it. And it was gotcha. starting to, to do that at which point, but after the, the scene at the retirement home, Michael Caine gets pissed um literally and goes to a bookstore where he sees himself like you know in the promotional material and all the books there and ends up dumping what's left of a, a flask on them and then lighting them on fire at which point he collapses um oh. and you know she being the only person that he they could contact about him uh ends up going to the hospital the the doctors tell up tell her that like he's got advanced liver cirrhosis he's got like issues with his lungs he's she doesn't get burnt then uh no no he doesn't end up getting burnt in the store like there's enough people around that he's he's fine um oh, okay but he's basically on his last leg they they he's basically got like months at most to live because everything is failing. Yeah. um yeah. and so the last little segment of the the movie there is him and her like kind of spending time she you know cleans up and and tidies up his house um they have a bit more of like an honest conversation like he he finally spreads his wife's ashes um cause, oh that's the thing that and so he he reveals the reason he was mad at her father was they wanted to have just his name on the the book for promotional reasons but his right. wife was the one that actually did all of the editing all of the um like uh what's the word all of the, the proofreading essentially for the the novel that yeah. was his magnum opus the one that actually got published and was successful um yeah and she was like oh don't worry about it you know we'll, we'll put me on the next one and then she died right after that Right. And so that's that's what dates back to all this this trauma and stuff like. That. So she ends up, um, you know, ends up selling her um, after he he does end up dying, and then right. she ends up selling the the publishing house um, to her, you know, the the guy that's been bugging her for it the whole time, and kind of goes mm -hmm. off on her own, and um, she's going through his house, and he like he had left her a key. 
And so she eventually goes to the house and because he told her that, you know, it was just that one other other manuscript that he had written that they were publishing. And she ends up going up into like the attic of the building and in there there's like a trunk that's just full of manuscripts of different books right. and it ends on this kind of like bittersweet but kind of uplifting note where she calls up her old assistant who now isn't working for that publishing house anymore um, and says hey how would you like to start editing manuscripts with me um, and so it's implied that they're going to continue editing and then publishing his work because and it, he leaves her like a, a, a final letter and it, it talks about how like you know I, he, he kind of sees her as, as somebody who has that kind of same spark and passion his wife had. And she's like, I, yeah. so he, he's like, I'm entrusting my words to you. Do you, you know, do with them as you will. Uh, or I think he, the exact word is like, oh, mess around with them a bit or something. Cause that, that, it's a throwback to earlier in the movie. So that, that's the, that's the whole plot synopsis, more or less. And sounds pretty good. I, I found myself liking it for a bunch of different reasons. There's a lot of very funny moments in it, and it starts off a bit goofy and lighthearted, um, and, but it does get very, very serious and kind of somber near the end. Um, and it doesn't fall into a lot of like tropes that I was expecting it to. Okay. Um, like there's no romantic subplots at any point in the movie. Um, there's no, like, point where, um, I don't know, there's not really any cliches that I can think of, or at least not cliches that I'm used to seeing that show up in the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I find it kind of cringe these days when, because every film it feels like has to have a romantic interest, and... It, it, a lot of the time it doesn't need it uh, and it just comes over as awkward and stuck in um, but it sounds like yeah it sounds it sounds like a good story um, yeah. how many uh, Johnny Walker blacks out of 10 god right out of 50 the way he was drinking um, <laughs> I'd give it it's a solid solid 7 like Seven. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't say higher. I, I I might have gone higher. Um, in fact, I think I'm doing it a disservice. I, I think I'm. I'm gonna go back and say seven point eight. I, seven point. I feel like it doesn't doesn't belong in the eight, but I feel like it it should be a little bit closer to eight than it is to seven. What would have gotten it to the eight? You said at the beginning, the first half, it was a bit... Yeah, I think slow. that's really what kind of um, is the only reason I'm hesitating to give it anything higher, because it, it's a very slow boil, and you really have to be... I, if Because I was kind of on the plane, and I really didn't have anything else to do, uh, mm. it was really just, you know, it was, it, it was the reason I, I sat through and finished it. It was a four-hour flight. Um, yeah. That that is probably its flaw, but the, I think that's the the first half is the kind of goofier pit. And there's there's a lot of really fun, like visual humor in the yeah. the movie as well. Like there's a scene where he's like passed out drunk in the car as they pull up to the motel, and she's trying to she's angry at him already, and so she's like 
hey, wake up. And she's like slamming on the back window. Get up. You have to get into the hotel. And so she, oh, she's frustrated. She opens the door and she's like partially trying to drag him out of the car. And a family comes walking by and the kid's like looking and they're, they're like shielding the kid. She's like, no, no, he's not dead. He's just, he's just asleep. <laughs> There's a lot of like funny little moments like that that I just really, really liked. I feel like I kind of watched, I've uh, been reading uh, the exact opposite of, of what you just described, because what I've been reading is a very serious concept, mm. but told in a very comedic manner. Okay. Um, which I feel like, because you've, you've got essentially a, quite a comedic thing, but they take it quite seriously, kind of. Um, I've been re-listening to uh, Terry Pratchett's Small Gods. Okay. Which is uh, one of the Discworld series, and it follows a, um, a, a, a pupil of a religion, um, which is like a hyper-aggressive extremist religion, where, you know, heretics are torched and burnt by the inquisition of the religion uh, and it, it's got a massive wide following uh, and it's has its own I think country called Omnia hmm. uh, but the gods in Terry Pratchett's world depending on how many believers you have de depicts whether you're a, a large god that can do great things or a small one so the great god Om uh, goes to manifest himself as a uh, like an eagle or something or a bull, mm -hmm. and he suddenly finds himself like three months later. He realizes that he's been a turtle for the last three months, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, everyone in his religion has started uh, believing in like that they they. They know that the the the, the um, Inquisition is real and it's scary and you do not want to fuck with the church. Mm. But they don't actually believe in the religion itself. They don't actually believe in the god. So the, uh, the god has a single follower who is this novice in, in the, the, the parish called Brother. Mm. Uh, and Brother is really not very smart. But he has an eidetic memory. Uh, so he, he remembers everything. Mm. Um, and Brother gets um, picked by the, the head inquisitor, uh, who's just a bastard of a man, to be his assistant, basically, and come with him to this, uh, this, this foreign city where infidels have been spreading false prophets and false gods, things like that. Mm. Um, and basically, the, this this foreign city beat Omnia in a war because the the the, the evil heretic city uh, is also uh, super accepting of philosophers. Uh, who are always trying to kind of disprove God. even though they know that the gods are real mm. they're trying to disprove them because they're philosophers <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's a scene where they're, they're like oh but the, the, um, these these gods 
they definitely aren't real. And then there's like a crack of thunder and they're like, except for that one. And then like something else happens in it. and not that one. That one's very real and very important. Uh, so these philosophers came up with, uh, essentially invented the uh, heat ray kind of thing, reflecting rays of the sun and just burnt all the ships of the Omnian forces. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's over there and he finds out about all these other gods and, uh, in, in this, this her- heretical city, uh, as I said, there are all these different statues of gods and things, and because gods are essentially become what their followers think they are, uh, the sculptor that made the statues wasn't a very good sculptor. Oh no. And so the the goddess of wisdom, who's meant to be depicted with an owl, instead is depicted with a penguin. <laughs> 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 so so when one of the philosophers is like oh she she definitely doesn't exist and then like a penguin walks into the room and they're like nope no mind she's real <laughs> oh that's amazing um, uh yeah oh god it's very funny and um yeah i've almost finished that again i read it ages ago and i've come back to it because it is one of my favorites uh, and I talk about how like the sm- the small gods, which is like uh, a farmer goes out and finds his sheep, makes a small stone cairn, and says, "Just thanks the spirits," mm. and that's how a god is initially made. Uh, and then that god gets more followers, tries to usurp the other gods in the area, um, and and all that. But it's. It's obviously comedic, but they have so many real-world references. Some of them very tongue-in-cheek. Well, like they do make the goddess of wisdom one is that yeah, Athena was represented by an owl. Yeah, uh, and uh, the, the the one of the one of the early jokes that they make is one of the priests in the temple, the the leader of the novices, he was called. Um, he was very well versed in the. Um, uh, in 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 t- explaining to the novices how looking at women in a particular way was very bad, <laughs> uh, and 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 things like that. So like some again very tongue in cheek things about religion, um, but ah, oh, it, it was it, it's, it's really actually good. sounds like a really fun concept. I've always yeah. wanted to write something like that, like a short story or something where. You, you take what should be basically to comedic writing I think there's there's a real talent to that because um, mm. like visual gags or like you know spoken jokes can be fairly easy to but when you're you're writing a book and you don't necessarily have the intonation of the voice or things or the the visual mm. aspect to kind of give people the cue that like that's a joke laugh. Um, yeah. it, it's trickier when you're writing, and I, I, I just I have a lot of respect for authors that can do it well. <laughs> uh, and yeah, he, they talk about like the the prophets of Om that came all those years before and wrote like the commandments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the great god Om is like, yeah, I didn't tell them to do any of that. Like none of that was me. <laughs> <laughs> they just came back and said their own thing, and now suddenly they're prophets. Um, and so, also, 
so in the disc world, the world is a disc on the back of four elephants, which is on top of the great turtle Artuan, which swims through space. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 no. The world's round, all right? <laughs> So they do the opposite of the the flat Earth theory thing, mm. uh, and uh, yeah, and also because this god is so used to being all powerful, he's like in in brother's brain because brother is the only one who can hear him because he's the only one that believes in him. Uh, he's hearing this this turtle like swearing and cursing and damning people to years of of repention in in the deepest pits of hell. And it's just this fucking angry turtle <laughs> to everyone else. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. oh, you know what that reminds me of? So for the last, like, year or so now, I think, um, yeah. Jesse and I have been playing through Divinity Original Sin 2 on co-op. Mm. There is a perk you can get, and you can get it quite early on in the game, and it doesn't have a ton of immediate benefit, but it is, for just pure enjoyment of the game, it is probably the most amazing perk to take because it allows you to talk to animals. All of the right. animals. And yeah. so anyone else talking to them, it would just be like bark, bark, or something like that. But yeah. then you talk to them, and so there, there's a squirrel that follows you very early. Well, it's a chipmunk that rides... No. It's a chipmunk that rides, like, some other small creature that I think is, like... I can't remember what he rides. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But he thinks he's a knight. And no. his steed is called Quirkus. And so every time you talk to him, it's like, look at this large creature, Quirkus. What is he doing here? It's like, <laughs> he's still there, Quirkus. And it's just... <laughs> Sounds amazing. It's it's the most amazing little thing. And the, just the I, that's what I thought of when you talked about the, like the turtle. Everyone else is an angry turtle, but because um, yeah. I'm thinking of that, because like we're talking to this little squirrel in the game. Everyone else is standing around us. It's just why why are they talking to that squirrel? Why is that squirrel <laughs> on that other creature? Um, we did end up getting it killed, unfortunately. Oh, but we can see ghosts. So its spirit is still following us. Is it still on Quirkus? It's still it's still riding Quirkus, except now it's a skeleton Quirkus. Oh no! So we we accidentally um, well not accidentally we we triggered this thing that was supposed to enhance our magical abilities, and it drained right. the life out of everything for a, in a mile radius. So it killed a bunch of random people. It killed a bunch of woodland creatures, and it qu killed Quirkus and his knight. No. But they still follow us, and they still have dialogue lines. They'll still talk to us as, as if they're alive. That's both incredibly sad and also adorable. They're, the sad one is, early on, there's a dog that you find, and it's trying to find its mate. And it's just... They, they, the way they voice the dogs in this game is just like... It's like, hello. Do you know where, you know, Daisy is? I like Daisy. Yeah. We used to hunt things together. Oh. Like little, like oh, that. They're no. just they're, they're so adorable. And you do find Daisy later, and she's been like trained to be an attack dog. <laughs> and Jesse's in the background eating Daisy. <laughs> no, and she's like she's trained to be an attack dog. And we actually, um, like, we ended up having to fight the people that trained her, and so mm. they sick her on us. 
And mm. we were trying so hard to find a way to get her back to the other dog, but we, we never were able to figure it out. And so they ended up oh. being apart. And it was it was heartbreaking. Oh. But yeah, that, oh, no, that, like the animal talking to animals perk in that game. It's the most amazing thing. Priceless. It's it's so good because especially you talk to every animal. You, know, you just you yeah. talk talk to pigs. You can talk to horses. Talk to birds. Insects. There are no insects, or at least none that aren't like giant monster insects that will attack you. Okay. And you. Gotcha. Yeah. So I was thinking of there. Well. All right. Anything? Oh well, since you asked me, uh, how many turtles out of ten? Would you give that book? Ooh. Uh, oh, God, that's hard. 8.6. There you go. 8.6. Yeah. I'm getting very specific with these numbers. Mm. All right. Don't be. Well, that's a good spot to end. All right. This is going to be the end of episode 87 of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you will hear us again in two weeks for episode 88. Religion!